You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. EntrepreneurIgnited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and just bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your business and income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale. And uh, today, we're going to be diving deep into e-commerce and and more specifically leveraging platforms like Amazon to build an e-commerce business. And... uh, We're fortunate today because our guest is one of the leading experts in that space exactly, as well as in uh, search engine optimization, affiliate marketing. I mean, he's been doing business online since 2003 and uh, has mentored, been mentored by, partnered with some of the biggest names in the marketing industry. So he brings a huge amount of knowledge to this call today. Uh, So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Ryan Coyson to the show. Ryan, thank you for being here. Awesome, Derek. I really appreciate it and just super excited to share everybody what we've been doing and, and how powerful Amazon and e-commerce really is. Awesome. Now, before we get started and, and dive into this, can you just share your s- story as an entrepreneur, your journey? How did you end up online to being this expert now that's teaching other people how to leverage these platforms? How did you get here? Yeah, so you know, I've always had a little bit of that entrepreneurial bone in my body, where I was constantly looking at opportunities as a kid to to earn extra income. You know, I, I came up from a working class family, um, and you know, really just always looking at opportunities to kind of find ways to make extra money. You know, as often some kids do, and. Then it really started to take off for me when I was in high school. I started to find a few different things that I could do, and I started to immerse myself in books and educating. This is back when people actually went to the library. So I would go to the library, pick up all these different books, and, and just really immerse myself in ways to make other you know means of income. And for me, the biggest thing that was so interesting was the stock market, and specifically options trading which for those of you who have done any investing before, you may recognize options trading as being one of the most high risk but also sometimes the highest reward forms of investing. And I started to dig in and I found a mentor to actually help me learn his system. And it was a a a retired chiropractor who had been trading options for about 15 years at that time, still does it to this day. And, you know, he taught me a very simplistic system and process that was repeatable to start investing in options. So I learned that system, started just doing some light paper trading to begin with to figure it out. And then when I got started, I, I was actually able to double, more than double my actual investment in what I was doing with options within 90 days. And that was my entire portfolio. And from then I realized that you know there is tons of opportunity within the stock market and I started to use some of that money to also pay my tuition. Um, and then I learned, you know, the, the, the greed gland can, you know, cause problems. <laughs> and it's just, it's just like any business. You, you know, as entrepreneurs, one of the things that I always find hysterical is we really learn how to master one thing. And then we're really good at thinking like, oh, you know what? Let's try something else or let's tweak what I've already been doing and then we kind of let it implode on itself and then we wonder, we sit there wondering, why did this happen? And part of that started to happen to me because 
I veered away from the system. I realized like, oh, you know, I'm I'm uh, the options trading god here. I've been winning on all these trades and I'm going to just tweak what I'm doing and I'm going to be more aggressive. And then that's when things started to kind of fall apart and I had to revert back to what was proven. So once I realized that, I realized that for me, while trading options was great and that it was a system that I was following that was simplistic, what I didn't get too much you know, excitement out of it. Looking at the charts and things like that just were okay to me because I am an analytical person, but I wanted to find something else that I could start to create with and be creative. So that's when I really dug into the world of online marketing. And this was back in 2003, uh, late 2003, early 2004. And I started to look at the opportunities of promoting other people's products. And that's how I became an affiliate and really just expanded from there. Over the course of the years, as I started to make money, I realized that there was all this other opportunity. You know, you start to figure out, you don't know what you didn't even know. And there's all this other opportunity. I started an SEO agency. You know, I started doing, you know, drop shipping. I started doing all these different business models. And then it was a few years ago that I really sat down and started to think about what I had been doing. And I think for any entrepreneur, it's very important to continually evaluate not only what you have been doing, but what you're planning on doing. But it's far too you know, infrequent that we actually look at the stuff that we have been doing in the past and why we're doing it. And I started to realize that while I was building a successful business, I had generated a ton of income and revenue for the, my partners and the, you know, the companies I was an affiliate for, as well as my own businesses and the, the clients that I had over the years. One of the things that I realized was I wasn't really focused on building like a true, long-lasting company. Mm-hmm. I had been focused on building a business, but that business was really more of an income stream or maybe multiple income streams. It wasn't something that I could sell maybe down the line because it revolved too heavily on me. It didn't leverage systems and processes and a staff enough while I had some of that in place. And I really started to then kind of revert my attention to what could I do that could allow me to do that? What could I do to build a true long-lasting business that is something that focuses on building true assets and is something that is going to stand the test of time? You know, I remember when the first Google update happened, you know, SEO update happened, and basically the entire strategy that I was doing went away overnight, you know, (laughs) uh, kind of freaked out in that instance. So I, I realized I didn't want to deal with that type of stuff. And that's kind of, I reverted back to looking at selling physical products. Because if you look at the data, you know, the historical data and the projections for the future, physical products, especially globally, are doing nothing but expanding. And they're expanding at a rapid pace. And it's not just early adopters, it's not, it's really become everybody who is willing to buy products online. And I realized that this is the right opportunity for me to focus on and build a true long-term business on. And, and that's what we've done. You know, that's what my business partner and I've done. And, you know, that's why I'm currently living, you know, in Manila in the Philippines. So is my business partner. We've got an office here of about 40 staff. We've got some staff in the United States as well as some other countries. And, you know, we sell our products globally right now. That's awesome. And, and you know, one of the things you just said there really um – I just want to reemphasize that is, yeah, I think so many people start out on the internet and they they start going down the road of affiliate marketing and they're looking for that quick cash and they f- fail to realize that if you want long-term value, you need to create a real business with real products and a real brand and stuff like that. So there is that long-term value and it's not just about 
cash and cash flow and that immediate sort of money. So um, a really interesting story. And, and, uh, and I love that you shared that. Now, let's shift gears and let's, let's dive into this e-commerce and into, um, into, into Amazon and, and everything that's going on. Because it, you're right, it is the future. Um, everything's being bought online. In fact, I saw an ad today, I think Amazon added something like 400 or 700 products that you can now buy and get delivered within an hour, if I saw correctly, like <laughs> would I, not surprise me. <laughs> I, I don't even know how that's possible, but they're they're pulling it off. So I mean, you're right. I mean, people just aren't shopping the way they used to. We're buying everything online. So here's the question that you know people ask me all of the time uh, about these platforms, and that is, okay, yeah, I see that there's people making money. But how, how, where do I start? How do I even figure out what to sell? Are there still product categories out there on Amazon, let's say, that, that we can effectively compete in? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we hear that all the time as well. The biggest question we always get is, what do I sell on yeah. Amazon? You know, what do I do? And, you know, first off, it's going to depend what platform you want to start with. So, in general, we usually recommend to everybody to always start with Amazon.com. And it makes sense because it's the largest platform. It has the biggest customer database, etc. However, if someone is in one of the other countries where there is an Amazon marketplace like Germany, like the UK, like Japan, etc., it could be a great opportunity for you to start there because obviously those marketplaces are going to have less volume. But with that, less volume becomes less competition. Mm -hmm. So you could get started in that place. But let's talk about kind of finding products and why you should look for certain types of products. So just like 10 years ago when you wanted to maybe sell an information product, you could, pre you know, you could put pretty much anything online, get some affiliates, start driving some traffic, and the sales conversions were there. You know, it was very easy because it wasn't as competitive. The consumer might not have been as educated. And you know, it just was the way that it is. And Amazon was that way maybe three years ago, just like eBay was when I first started on eBay you know, about eight years ago or so, maybe 10 years ago, I guess it was 2005. Um, it was just so much easier to sell. Mm -hmm. Now, what you have to do, just like in every type of business, in my opinion, you have to look at how you position what you're going to sell. So the best place to start is to figure out, you know, I'm a little bit old school and that when I look for new products or when I look for new opportunity, it's not something that I just sit down and say, oh, I'm gonna look for this now. It's something that I'm constantly looking for. As an entrepreneur, one of our biggest hurdles is that we see opportunity pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. So when I'm driving around, when I'm looking at magazines, when I'm, you know, going online and, and checking things out, I'm constantly seeing products and I'm seeing things that are, you know, there's opportunity there. So I just keep an opportunity kind of log and we call it an idea bank. And I'm continually adding to this idea bank to come up with ideas that potentially products, potential things that we can tweak to our products based on what someone else is doing. And you should be building something like that over time. And that's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, you could go to the store right now and pick up a magazine, start flipping through it and have 20 ideas. But 
if you really want to get to brass tacks, one of the easiest ways to find products, and you can do this on any marketplace, is to simply go to that marketplace. You know, if I go to Amazon.com, the great thing is they're actually going to give me the competitive data. They're not going to tell me exactly how many sales they're making of a particular product, but they're going to tell me their best sellers rank. And by looking at the best sellers rank for these products, I can start to gauge how much they're actually selling. And obviously, you know, it's I, I liken it to golf. The lower the number, the better. And when I look at a best sellers rank, say in the electronics category, if I wanted to sell some type of charger for my iPhone or something like that, if that product has a great best sellers ranking, that's already given me proof that this product is selling well. Then I just simply need to validate that with some other opportunities. So here's what we like to do. After we've done some research on Amazon, we can also do this on eBay or something like that. Um, I like to then find some products, a little group of products, and I like to then take them to kind of the next step to get some you know, enhanced validation. But again, starting with Amazon, you wanna look at their best sellers ranking. And once I've gotten some of that validation initially, I'll take them out and I'll look for opportunities. I look for opportunities to, can I really build a brand around this? If I'm looking at golf tees, could I build a brand around golf tees or do I have to build a brand more around golf and then sell a line of products there? If I'm looking at an iPhone charger, can I build a true brand that can compete in that iPhone charger space or am I going to then have Samsung chargers or am I going to have iPhone cases? What would I have to do to really compete? So we start to look at can we build a brand around this? Because to compete in this day and age, you need to have a brand. You need to be able to get you know, a good domain. You need to have you know, a, a solid brand name. You need to have uh, a multiple line of products so that you can increase the lifetime value of your customers because you know, marketing dollars, people are spending more and more marketing dollars online. And with that, your competition goes up, which means your ad cost goes up, which means your customer acquisition goes up. And you want to be able to obviously increase that LTV. Then we like to look at you know, where's the opportunity within that space? Are there tons of influencers out there? Are there you know, review sites for those tar particular types of products? For example, with the iPhone thing that we were just talking about, of course, there's tons of opportunity to reach out to influencers because there's so much talk online about these types of products, you know, technology. Is there opportunity to get in magazines? Is, you know, is there opportunity to work with someone who runs a massive blog, but maybe underutilizing how to actually monetize that so that you can start doing some type of JV with them where you, you know, tap into their email list, you get some advertising on their site, um, et cetera. And you can even start to look at opportunity. If you're building a true brand, you can look at the opportunity of are there other competitors that have already started and they're doing okay, but maybe they're missing the boat completely and you can just simply buy them up for very inexpensive. You know, um, or is there even you know content sites out there that you can start to purchase? So, getting started, a person has the opportunity to either take the quick short road and just kind of make some quick snap decisions based on data from Amazon and things like eBay. Or if you're like us and you're focused on building a long-term successful brand, it's better to take that more holistic, larger approach so you can understand the whole ecosystem that that brand would fall into. Okay, so that was fascinating. So 
you know, I, there's all these different. Uh, you see them, I'm sure you do. Different Amazon courses make money on Amazon, and and there's yeah. you know a lot of what I hear is oh you just got to find the right product, plug it in, and the sales will happen. But what I'm hearing from you is you're taking this to a much uh, a much uh, a whole different level. So what you're saying is when you go out there, you're not just plugging a product into Amazon hoping people find it and buy it, but you're plugging it into Amazon and then you're building a whole campaign around this and building, uh, reaching out to influencers, reaching out to other websites, driving traffic to that brand on Amazon. Is that correct? 100% correct. And and the reason for that, Derek, is because just like bef- you know, in the past, you used to be able to toss something up and it would start generating sales, maybe an information product. You put it on ClickBank and all of a sudden some affiliates start you know, driving some traffic and you're making sales. That's mm-hmm. great. You really didn't have to do too much. It used to be that way on Amazon, and it still can be for certain products. But mm-hmm. here's the challenge that we really, really try and um, help people to, to not fall into is we knew so many people that when they started growing their Amazon business and e-commerce business, they had you know astronomical success right out the gate, you know, $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month, you know, and more, sometimes six figures a month, mm-hmm. you know, within their first six months or their first year. And it was amazing success. Their biggest, you know, the biggest thing that they didn't do is they didn't build any skill sets to actually have accomplished that. It was just kind of blind luck, yep. so to speak. Um, and when, what happened was as competition came in, as things started to shift at Amazon just because it's an evolving platform, they're obviously going to make changes, uh, they didn't know what to do and their business collapsed. You don't know how many people reached out to Daniel and I saying they had no idea what to do because they had purchased XYZ course from somebody, they had followed the advice, they had made a bunch of money, they quit their job, and now they went from earning $100,000 a month in revenue to $5,000, basically overnight. And you know they're now in their 50s, they had worked for a company for 20 plus years, they didn't know what to do. They were you know kind of in a, in a state of devastation. Mm-hmm. And that's why we truly believe that when you launch anything on Amazon or any platform for that matter, because you can do the same principles for, for other platforms and, and ones that are going to be coming out like Jet. And the thing that you have to do is you have to build that brand, but then you have to build kind of that campaign around it. Because by having a solid campaign around it that supports what you're doing on Amazon, it's going to do nothing but help increase your sales. And if you're strategic about it, you're going to be able to blow out your competitors quickly and easily, especially in international markets. Agreed. And and I, I just want to say, I mean, you have my uh, you you've got my respect because again, you're 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 telling the story as it is and uh, and and what it really takes. And and I I respect that and I appreciate it. Now the just to elaborate a little further, so. You're not just relying on Amazon. When you you build a brand around a product, you create a brand around a category, whatever that may be, you're also creating your own e-commerce sites as well to sell those independently of Amazon. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So kind of we go through different phases. So we look at Amazon.com as a launching platform. Mm-hmm. So we'll usually release all products on Amazon.com first. That's going to change a little bit in 2016, and I'll explain why here in a second. So we launch on Amazon.com and we get a baseline. As we get that baseline, we then start to look at what's going to be the most strategic way to grow this brand. 
because this is another major, major issue that we've seen people fall into. They start selling on Amazon, they're doing well, then they do one of two mistakes that can really drastically affect their growth, but also could potentially cause their business to implode on themselves. And most people don't understand the concept of growing too fast. And as a sole entrepreneur, you know, solopreneur or someone who has a small team and you don't have outside funding, you have to be able to understand how to grow in a managed state. So the two mistakes that people make here is they will try and launch a bunch of additional products or they'll try and go international too fast. And the issue becomes that they have to spend too much money on inventory. And you know this this was an issue with one of our business partners that we partnered up with, and their business was fluctuating from forty to sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month up and down. And the reason it was going up and down is they become kept running out of stock, and they kept having to buy stock for other products, and they were trying to expand all these different areas, and they couldn't manage it. When we cut away the excess and we cut everything away, the growth that they had over the course of a 90-day period was just astronomical. I'm talking about two, 300% growth in that short of a period just because they were now focused on doing the right things and they were managing the growth as opposed to trying to expand too quickly. So once we've launched on, say, Amazon.com, we start to line up what's the next step. Is it to launch within a marketplace in, say, Europe? because Amazon UK is usually the next largest platform, or is it to launch a Shopify site uh, or whatever e-commerce type site you want to do? We prefer to use Shopify for ease of use, and it integrates within Amazon's fulfillment. Now, how do you make that decision? So first, when you're doing some research, we always like to look at what types of sales are our products getting on these other platforms. But also, we talked about traffic, you know, and we talked about how important traffic is. We like to look at what is the opportunity to purchase traffic within this space. So we can use sites like AdBeat to see what people are buying. We can use, you know, Espionage, which is a PPC uh, spy tool or whatever you want. And we like to then look at that data and say, wow, there are five people you know, running different websites here that are spending, say, $20,000 to $50,000 a month on AdWords in the U.S. alone. Well, that could be very low-hanging fruit and large opportunity for us to launch a Shopify store and then simply tap into those PPC keywords, and that could be the next step. And that way, we don't have to send fulfillment outside the country. It can all be in one central location. And obviously, as you, I'm sure, know, as you expand your brand on Amazon, you're getting more traffic. And it's naive to think that everybody's just going to buy right away or they're not going to do any research about your brand on Amazon. Granted, your conversions on Amazon can be insane. and We've had conversions upwards of over 40%, but that still leaves 6 in 10 people not buying. And those people are going out and looking maybe at your brand or looking at competitors. So if you show up, for your brand keywords and you know paid traffic if you show up with a nice looking website that is conversion friendly you're going to automatically make more money and i've seen it time and time again where i've talked to people oh i'm doing you know $120,000 a month on amazon great do you have any properties outside of amazon no they just launch a very basic simplistic shopify store that will then you know kick into amazon's back end fulfillment and instantly they're making another, you know, five to ten percent in revenue. And it's not because they're advertising that page, it's because people are now finding it 
recognizing this is a true brand and then just buying right off of their website. I mean, it's amazing. It's the lowest hanging fruit possible. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, when you're selling on Amazon, I mean, anytime I've used a platform, uh, I'm always looking to get the lead and get them into my database as well so that I can bring them back to my my own properties to sell to them. Uh, How do you handle that with Amazon? When somebody buys on Amazon, how are you following up with them? Yeah, so this is one of the biggest challenges with Amazon, and I always encourage people, instead of taking my opinion or anyone else's opinion about what you should do or shouldn't do, always read through Amazon's terms of service because it is evolving, and it's important that you understand what it is and what you would want to do. So I'll tell you, with that, I'll tell you the best way that that we do it. So there are tools out there that allow you to follow up with your customers uh, via email through Amazon's API. And we have a series of emails that we send out after someone purchases. And these emails are designed to make sure the customer has a good experience, make sure that they know that we're there to help them if we can do anything. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to you know, seek out getting you know, a review for our product and really just anything else that we possibly can do to make sure that we win this person over as a raving fan because we want them, because we're building a brand, even on Amazon, we want them to go and buy other products of ours. Outside of that, depending on the product that you sell, there's certain ways that we like to use inserts within our packaging to be able to also um, collect potential information from our customers. So first, if your product is challenging to use, it's a great idea on your insert. You can also include a phone number. And then obviously, if someone's calling in at that point, after you've, you've helped them with their issue or, or helped them set up their product or whatever it is, you can provide some type of bonus or some type of thing, some type of lead magnet that you can collect that information from. And the biggest one's going to be their email address because um, obviously then you can continue to email them because it's not a good idea to send marketing messages through Amazon's API. Then on that same type of insert, depending on what you're doing, if I was selling, say, a um, you know some type of toy or something like that that a mom would buy. I could create like a a specific newsletter or a specific report that talks about you know the ten best toys to buy your child or whatever it is, whatever lead magnet to go collect that information. You know, some people if you're selling a particular product, you can do a product warranty, um, and that's another way to to be able to collect that information as well. The fact is, though, unfortunately it can be very challenging to get any type of high conversion on any of those things. Um, you know, you obviously want to do that if it makes sense for your product uh, because some is better than none. Mm-hmm. But there are other opportunities. You know, we, we like to do, depending on the traffic source where we're sending people to Amazon, is we like to collect the lead ahead of time before that person hits Amazon. So now we actually have the information of not only just you know people who are buying, but people who are not buying as well. You can also look at the opportunity. Amazon does give you the customer's address, phone numbers, and things like that, um, not the email. And you can you know follow up with your customers via phone if your product lends it you know to that self. Um, you want to be careful with that because it's never happened to us, but we have had um, some stories from people that had issues where the customer complains that they're getting phone calls, and most likely it's through 
things where someone's not going to want a phone call. If you're selling a hemorrhoid cream, you don't want someone to call you and say, hey, how's that cream working for you? you know, it's kind of a very personal thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're selling something that's going to provide added service and value, then it would make sense. Also, you look at the opportunity. If you have some of that information, you can then go over to a platform like Facebook and build a custom audience based on the information you're collecting. And then you can do for our customers only type promotions or specific things because you bought this, get this. Or here's an added bonus, thanks for being a customer of X, Y, and Z. You know, there's a lot of opportunity there to be creative. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes sense. Another, you know, because of these added steps that you have to go through to accomplish, you know, the lead capture, this is why it makes sense to strategically think about well, where do I go after I've done my initial launch? After I've built up that momentum and, and kind of had a stabilized business on Amazon, you know, I'm generating at least maybe $10,000 a month. Do I go to Shopify where obviously it's incredibly easy to get that information? Or do I go to another Amazon platform where again, I'm kind of doing the same type of thing? So it's a decision that one has to make. Um, and we prefer to go to Shopify usually first and then international. Okay. Awesome. And uh, for, for everybody listening, I, like, I've actually paid for Amazon courses that didn't give as much detail as, as Ryan just gave us there. That was awesome. <laughs> um, now, let's shift gears and talk about the other challenge that I'm seeing people facing, and that is actually sourcing products. And yeah. let's talk a little bit about, so we find a, a, a product, um, obviously, the barrier to getting products out of China has gotten so much easier, but it's still not simple. And I see people struggling with this, struggling to get products, struggling to get quality products. You know, how are you guys getting products? What's, what are you teaching people to do? So first, I think it's a, there's a lot of misconceptions usually that we deal with when we tell people you know, where to source products because we believe that you can source products globally. It just depends on where that type of product is best created. Mm -hmm. For example, when we were looking at sourcing a coconut oil and we decided to, to not go with it, but we found out that the best place, like the highest quality coconut oil that we could personally find was in Sri Lanka. And, you know, that was something that I wouldn't have thought of right out the gate. Um, but people sometimes have this misconception that if I don't source from the United States, I can't say made in the U.S. and I'm going to have to deal with people saying I don't want Chinese products or whatever. So we help kind of make a paradigm shift and help people realize first that not all products made in China are garbage. In fact, if you went around your place right now where you live and where you work, most of the products there are probably going to be from some Asian country, mm -hmm. oftentimes China. And they're really, really high quality products that are made there. The key is you have to find the right supplier. And there's different tiers. So there's going to be the kind of almost you can call it mom and pop simple workshop that is you know very low end, like a very tier three model. Uh, type place. Tier two might be a larger operation. They've got English speaking staff that helps them do outbound sales to find suppliers. They maybe have one or two bigger clients, but nothing huge. And then there's the large suppliers that do, you know, factory supplying. Some of them are dedicated only for, like, say, Apple, but some of them are also, you know, do private label type stuff and focus on one particular thing. And 
there's a difference between these types of people and where you're going to find them. And sometimes you have to start in one place. And that's fine to go from one supplier and then kind of level up along the way. The key is taking imperfect action. So what we like to do is we, you know, if we like to just find out where that product should be sourced from. We'll say it's China just because a lot of products can be sourced in China. We can go back to the iPhone example that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking for an iPhone charger, I can start looking on a simple site like Alibaba that everybody knows, but there are so many other sites out there that you can use to start finding products. And I'm not saying that you have to go and look at all these other sites, but what we prefer to do is we prefer to find somebody in China, and we have staff there now, but we prefer to find somebody in China to be a sourcing agent for us. And this is a very inexpensive way. I'm talking part-time, you could hire somebody for maybe $400. Uh, Full-time, $800 to at the max we've ever paid is $2,000 a month. And this was for someone that is you know, top of the game, elite uh, sourcing agent, fluent English, can manage a team of you know, Chinese-only speaking people as well. And we look for somebody to help us because we have to realize that well, we can negotiate on our behalf, and it's fine to start there. You know, I'm going to give you both sides of the coin. It's fine to do everything yourself right off the gate, and I'll give you some tips for that in a second. But if you can leverage a sourcing agent, just like if I was in my hometown and understood the lingo and understood the culture of the people I was talking to, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier for me to negotiate with them and also make you know, a very amicable relationship for a long-term business partnership with that supplier. That's the same thing for, for a Chinese factory. If I want to so source, say, electronic products and they specialize in the you know, province of Shenzhen, if I have someone who lives in Shenzhen, has grown up in Shenzhen, and can go visit that factory in person and talk to the, the person running the factory, the manager there, of course I'm going to be able to get a better deal. Of course I'm going to be able to see the quality of the product better. It just makes sense. So you can find these people online. You can look at you know Chinese job sites. You can look for there are um, you know groups of people that actually team up and work with having one sourcing agent themselves. You know we actually for some of our students we actually help them source products through our own sourcing agents uh, because we know that that can be a barrier to entry for people. So the key there is just finding someone who has boots on the ground experience for you to help assist, um, especially and you know, this is kind of with a caveat here. We usually tell people not to do anything electronic right out the gate unless you have experience because if you're working with a tier three and even sometimes a tier two factory, your defect rate can kill your business. And I've seen it happen before where someone builds a you know five-figure a month business in profit and then literally one shipment that had a 10% defect rate on their electronic product just a, you know, a whole slew of negative reviews came in, and it's really hard to recover from something like that. So let's kind of pivot, if you want, Derek, to talking about what to do, kind of how to do it by yourself if you're just getting started yeah. and you don't want to have a sourcing agent or you don't have the budget for that. So here's some good tips. You can start with a site like Alibaba, but please realize that not every supplier is on Alibaba, and oftentimes some of the best are not, but it is a good place to kind of start. What we like to do is we like to build a spreadsheet that will provide all the details of the suppliers we're going to reach out to. So if I'm looking for an iPhone charger, 
I want to start looking through Alibaba and I can just search for iPhone charger. And I want to start looking for suppliers that have been around for at least five years. I want to look for suppliers that have pictures of their factory, that have you know lengthy descriptions, that maybe have a website, provide an actual phone number, have Skype details. You know, all of these things kind of help build a case for a, a higher quality factory. There's different um, rankings that Amazon, or excuse me, that Alibaba can give them as well. You know, you can look at doing that as well. Um, not usually necessary, but what we like to then do is we like to look for five to ten high quality factories that we believe just based on what information we have. And then we'll reach out to them in one fall swoop. And as we reach out to them individually, the first thing that we ever do is we don't jump ahead and say, hey, you, I see here that you have a $1,000 minimum order quantity. Can you just do 100 units for me? I'm just getting started. Worst idea ever. <laughs> um, what you want to do is you want to reach out to them and say, hey, my name's Ryan. I um, starting selling physical products in the electronics space. We're looking for a long-term supplier. I want to know who the best person is that I can chat with at your company, X, Y, and Z to talk about you know, building a relationship together. Something simple like that. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to reach out to you. And you know, sometimes they won't. It's okay to follow up. Realize that these people, just like you, are getting emails every single day. And oftentimes, some of those can get lost in the process. So it's important to follow up. And if they have a phone number, even call them. Now, respect the time difference as well, because otherwise you won't be able to connect with them. Now, um, once you've connected with that person, we like to get on a Skype call with them or we'll have one of our staff get on a Skype call with them because then you can share video and you can actually see the person. And then you just want to start asking them some basic questions about the product, ask them about the facility. Um, you can ask them point blank, are you a trading company or are you the actual manufacturer because you don't want to deal with a middleman. Mm -hmm. We also like to say, Hey, you know, if can I come and visit the factory? I'd love to come see you guys. When would be a good time to do that? And this can be a test question or it could be something we actually enjoy visiting the factories because we want to see the products and the people that are making what we're selling. But if you don't want to travel to China, that's fine. You could either send someone else there to go check it out or you can if they say no, you can't come. Oftentimes, they're definitely a trading company. So you can weed out that person because they're not open to you actually being there. And you want to find someone who is open to these types of things. And then we have just a, a series of about 15 questions that we kind of ask them. And it's a lot of the stuff that I was just talking about. And then once you've weeded out, you're going to automatically weed out several of those suppliers. Once you've got your core, you want to then start requesting samples. And still, we haven't talked about minimum order quantities. We haven't talked about price. You want to then start requesting your samples. Oftentimes, these people are going to charge you quite a bit for samples. It could be $50, $70, $100. If you had a sourcing agent in China, it's going to be way less. But what they're doing is they're trying to prevent you from taking advantage of them and just getting samples and not ordering anything. And they're going to be shipping them to the U.S., we can. We usually have somebody put all of our samples together in one box and ship one time. It's going to be much much less expensive, uh, or excuse, yeah, much. Um, it's going to be less expensive for you to do that. And then um, we'll examine the product and we'll really kind of put it through the paces to make sure it's a quality product. You can also request, um, you know, another sample as somebody else, maybe. Um, have it ship it to like your PO box or something. If you're really paranoid that they're only sending you the best product and and something like that, so you can get another sample as somebody else as an is an option. 
But at the end of the day, you need to kind of make a decision on that supplier. So you have to do as much due diligence as you possibly can. Uh, Alibaba has an inspection side of thing. I think it's inspection.alibaba.com, or you can just search on their website. You can have someone go inspect the factory. Um, you know, so all kinds of different things that you can do there. But then we recommend you actually place your order. And as you go to place an order, it's important before you've done this and you've verified that you have everything that you want, that this is going to be the right product, that you have that conversation with them about the minimum order quantity and the pricing. And you know you want to get there initially just their price breaks. So communicate in their language. Ask them, what are your guys' price breaks for XYZ product? They'll send it over. And that's when you should get on the phone with them or Skype again and discuss what their actual price breaks are and how they're going to fit your needs. And we always aim to get the best price on the lowest possible. So if we want to start with 1,000 units, we want to get the price that you would get for 10,000. And you know, I'll say this, and you, know, you can ask me some questions if you have more questions on this, but I don't want to go too detailed here uh, if it take up so much time. But um, one of the things that people make the mistake of, Derek, is they think, I want to only order 100 units. Or I want to only order 200 units because I don't know if this is going to work. And the product often is going to be less than $10 or, you know, it's often going to be less than $5. And you start adding in shipping and stuff like that. And it's relatively inexpensive to get these products, okay? The problem is when you order, only order 100 or 200 units or maybe 500 units, if you list that product on Amazon and you do any type of promotion, what happens if that product starts selling 10 units a day? and your lead time's 45 days, there's no way you're going to be able to stay in stock. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things with Amazon is momentum. If you run out of stock, you basically lose all of your momentum, and you have to kind of reignite that momentum. And think of it from Amazon's point of view. Well, you start selling well, they start showing you for more keywords, so they're making more sales. Your conversions stay consistent, so then they start advertising on Facebook by retargeting your visitors for you, and then they maybe even start advertising on AdWords. You run out of stock. They're now looking for the next person. If that person converts better than you or even the same, do you think that they're going to go, oh, hey, Ryan's back in stock. Let's start advertising for him again. Probably not. It's like you're fighting back uphill to prove yourself and then try and take over again. So we usually err on the side of caution because we're not scared of getting stuck with inventory. If you're getting a product and it costs you $5 shipped to Amazon and you're selling it for $30, worst case scenario, liquidate the product for your cost. Put it up on coupon sites. You know, Just blast it out there. Put a coupon on Amazon or just drop the price. You can sell it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but it's really, really challenging the other way around. Interesting. Okay, so now th that was huge. That was awesome. Now I'm going to shift a little bit here, and let's talk about. Uh, and I I'm I'm asking questions that I know I get all the time from people who are looking at doing this. And so one of the other questions is is how do I price? And so, you know, I, I think a lot of people, when they go into this, they immediately think, hey, I want to have the cheapest product because it'll sell the best. When you're developing your brands and you're developing your products, how do you position yourself and what kind of profit margins do you expect? Yeah, so this is a great question. I mean, and it's also a really, really important one because it determines what you can and can't do within your brand. 
So when we look at building a brand, we always come from a standpoint of being premium. Mm -hmm. We want to be the most premium product possible within that marketplace. If you think of like the cell phone accessory kind of market, there's a lot of people that sell, um, you know, protective cases, but there's only a few that are like $100 or more and they came in at the premium space and they still do incredibly well. So we like to be that type of positioning. And the reason for that is it allows us to spend more money on having a higher quality product. So that's step number one, or point number one rather. It allows us to come up with some really, really nice packaging. So if I were selling jewelry and I just sold kind of your run of the mill crappy jewelry, there's no way I could spend the 40 to $50 that Tiffany's spends on every single simple box that they put the ring in or the necklace in. Because there's, you know, I can't afford to do that because I'm going to sell my product for 10 bucks. Now, Tiffany's can afford to do that because they sell their product for much more and they have a much better brand. In fact, their brand is so good that if you tell anybody kind of that color and what brand it associates with, they all think of Tiffany's. Or if they think of Tiffany's, they think of that, you know, turquoise type box. Yep. Um, so that's the difference, you know, so we can spend more to create amazing packaging. And a, that amazing packaging especially when it's someone can't pick up your product and touch it, they're buying it online, that packaging can be all the difference between whether they buy you or they buy someone else. And especially in a, a slew of images that are all just pictures of a charger, if you've got this packaging just stands out and says, wow, you know, it really is going to make a big difference. So that allows us to you know, obviously spend that money. The other thing that it allows us to do is once we start selling our product, if we we typically will aim for a profit margin of 40 to 50% and at least $15. Now, this is, you know, variable, but on average that's what we typically like to do. And the reason for that is then that gives us enough room to be able to spend money on advertising. And just like AdWords or just like any advertising platform, Someone usually builds their funnel, and we'll, I'll bring up this lifetime value again. They build their funnel to increase the lifetime value, not normally just to increase that front-end sale. It's to increase the lifetime value. And the reason for that, as you know, Derek, is because the higher your lifetime value of your customer, the more you can spend to acquire them. If my lifetime value is $200 and I can, my, customer, my competitors is 100 I will always win because mm -hmm. I can spend more money on advertising than they can. And if I can do that, I'm giving myself astronomical advantages that most people, one, never think of. And if they do have that, a higher LTV, they never really do much about it. They still just kind of compete alongside with their competitor instead of trying to completely knock them out. So we think of it again from that larger ecosystem as opposed to just, oh, should I go low price, should I go high price? In general, we always go high price just because it gives us so much more advantage in everything that we're doing. Awesome. And uh, I totally agree. Um, I mean, anything I've ever done, I, I personally never want to be in a market where I have to compete on price. That's just you know, it's, it's not a fun business in my books. Um, now when you take a product into a product category, now you briefly mentioned, you know, pr uh, packaging and having that superior packaging. So it stands out to help people make that buying decision. What else can you do to make your product stand out? 
So you got to use what you have available to you. So if you go to Amazon and you know you're selling on Amazon.com, Amazon's going to give you a certain set of images that you can use for, on your product. You know you can have all these different images, and you want to use that space wisely. You want to have images that convey a message. You know, oftentimes we see people simply just post their images of their products. Sometimes they even just use the ones their supplier gets them. You know, it's much better if you have a professional photographer take those photos or, you know, you can use 3D renders, which some might say is against Amazon's term of service or gray area, but up to you. And what we like to do is within these photos, show your product being used, like the functionality of it. If I'm selling an iPhone charger, is it better to show it? Just a picture of the actual, um, you know, picture of the actual charger, or is it better to also have pictures of it plugged into a phone, plugged into my computer, charging it? You know, real life instances plugged into, you know, maybe an outlet next to your coffee table or whatever it is. All of those things make it more real to the person. You know, it's it's not action shots, but it's the product being used, and certain products are really you know, necessities for doing that versus, you know, an iPhone charger. Yes, it's nice, but it's not like absolutely necessary. Um, But we like to do those types of things. And then you obviously have your product listing. This is what Amazon gives you to be able to convey what your product really is. And you have your title, you have your bullet points, and then you have your actual product description. And depending on, you can get, you know, advanced product descriptions from Amazon where you can have images and information from the manufacturer and stuff like that. And um, sometimes they invite you to that. Sometimes you have, it's just, you know, an option for you uh, that you pay for. But all of this is designed and listings to us are incredibly important, especially right now. And we think they're going to get nothing but more important. It's kind of like that on-page SEO. Mm -hmm. But what's so important about it is you have to be able to convey your product and the you know, the benefits of it over your competitors. And Amazon's doing all kinds of things to different to test it, you know, like changing what you can and can't put in your product description. The, you know, the character limit, I think, is like 2,000 right now. They've changed the title limit as well. And, you know, you have to constantly do different things to stand out. But what is so great, and I kind of keep reiterating this, but what is so great about Amazon is a lot of the people that are doing really well, even still, it's kind of by blind luck or it's that they've been around for years and years and they have that brand authority. So if you come in and really do a lot to, to you know, outdo them, you can start to compete on a dramatic scale. And we've done that several, several times. I mean, I'm talking companies that have been in business for 50 plus years. We're now beating them in the online space, you know, on Amazon because we've done all these tweaks, adjustments, and just paid attention to what the customer wants. Mm. Um, One other thing that I'll mention about Amazon that most people um, don't really leverage enough is there's a, obviously reviews are super important and that's what people talk about all the time, but the questions and answers are really important. You know, it's important to be able to get the question and answers kind of bulked up. You know, I'm looking at an iPhone charger right now and they've got almost 50 questions that they've answered on here. And all of this helps the person stay on your listing without having to go look somewhere else and then helps them actually make that buying decision. Because if their question is answered and that was their only objection, well, now they should just go up and click add to cart and buy it. 
Um, and that's one of the great things about Amazon. So you want to make sure when you're getting started, it's a good idea to look at all of your competitors and see all of their questions. And what's great is if someone asks a question like this, they're asking, will this work with life-proof cases? And someone answered, you know, no, it doesn't work with a life-proof case. And then there's four more answers. And you know, I can look at all the answers. So this was five answers right there. There's another question here that has six answers. And the people that are answering more and more questions, it's oftentimes those are the most popular. You know, it's not a given, mm-hmm. but it, that gives me some idea that, okay, these are probably the more important questions. Let me address this not only in the Q&A when it comes up, but let me address this in my listing. And that way I can you know, meet them to where they want to be before that, really, uh, that objection comes in their mind. I'm, I'm coming into their mind and they're like, oh, I was wondering that. Or maybe they were subconsciously wondering that and then you immediately answered the question and now you're going to have higher sales. Awesome. And so the, uh, when you're creating the listings – I mean, again, I've been to so many listings on Amazon where you get there and it's just, uh, it's a crappy photo and there's, you know, just a couple features of the product. How much detail are you, are you effectively writing sales copy to really sell your products? It's going to depend on the product that you're selling, but you know, you have to think about like the features versus benefits kind of Mm -hmm. uh, standpoint. So we like to, you know, mix things up and it, you know, we like to test things, um, you have to also realize too, people who are on Amazon are really in the buying mood. They're looking for the right product mm-hmm. uh, for them though. That's why it's important to be able to one, stand out with your images, stand out with your actual product. If you have a superior product, it's much easier to convey that within your listing. But just simple things like having a call to action or talking about the benefits of the product. You know, if you're selling an iPhone charger, you know, you should be talking about that you can use this while you're in your car. You know, you have this adapter. You can use this, you know, charge from your laptop. It's, you know, it works on this phone, this phone. Doesn't integrate with this. You know, you're doing things that are going to help that person make that decision as they read it instead of just going, this is an iPhone charger. You know, the cable is, you know, five meters long or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. You know, instead of just talking about the features of it, talk about the benefits because, you know, they always say, what is it? Features tell, benefits sell or something like that. That's the one. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. So we are, we're running out of time here and, uh, I could I could keep asking you questions all night, and I have no doubt you could just keep answering them. Um, but we're almost out of time. So where where can people continue to learn from you? Because honestly, this has been one of the best conversations I ever had about Amazon. With uh, the amount of information you just packed in in the last forty five minutes was freaking incredible. <laughs> so where <laughs> so where do people get more? Well, we appreciate that. You know, uh, if you want to learn more about me and my business partner Daniel Audenson. The best place to go is to ryananddaniel.com. And on our website, you'll be able to learn more about exactly what we do with the information products that we sell, the events that we have, the, the sourcing trips where we take people to China. All that information is going to be available right there for you. Again, it's just ryananddaniel.com. That's fantastic. Now, you just mentioned you also do sourcing trips to China where you'll actually take people there. That's correct, Yes. Awesome. That's incredible. So, well, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for unconditionally sharing so much of your knowledge with our listeners today. I truly appreciate it. 
You're very welcome. Awesome. Now, everybody, uh, that was Amazon e-commerce expert Ryan Coyson. And uh, again, any links we mentioned here will be included in the show notes, uh, including to uh, Ryan's website. And, it, you know, I mean, Amazon's such a massive opportunity. If you're selling any physical products right now, uh, you need to be paying attention to Amazon. And uh, I would highly recommend uh, checking out Ryan's website to uh, to learn more from them, to learn the right way to do this from somebody that's doing this on a massive, massive scale. So uh, once again, I hope you guys learned a lot here today. And uh, again, if you like what you heard, please head over to iTunes or SoundCloud, leave us a rating, leave us a review, make sure you're subscribed. And again, now it's time to apply that final ingredient to uh, all the strategies, tips that you just learned here today from Ryan. And that ingredient is action. So uh, by all means, take action, use what you learned, go forth and apply them to your business. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. This is Derek Gale signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.